0: Hi, this is Andrea Gingrich. I'll be reading our paper, Urban Ideals and Rural Realities, Physiotherapists Navigating Paradox and Overlapping Rules. Uh, this is a paper uh, that I'm first author on, and co-authors are Cavella van Valkenburg, Sean Morris, Christy Simpson, and Robin Roots. Sean will be joining to help with reading during the results section. Starting with the abstract. Objectives. Rural practitioners who develop a sense of belonging in their community tend to stay, however, belonging means neighbors become patients and non clinical encounters with patients become unavoidable. Rural clinical experiences expose students to overlapping personal and professional relationships, but students cannot be duly prepared to navigate them because ethical practice standards primarily reflect urban and not rural contexts. To inform such educational activities, the study examines rural physiotherapist strategies for navigating overlapping relationships. Methods. Constructivist grounded theory guided iterative recruitment of 22 physiotherapists living and practicing in rural northern or remote communities in British Columbia, Canada, and analysis of their experiences navigating overlapping relationships. Results. Physiotherapists routinely navigate overlapping relationships while mindful of practice standards, neighborly and community expectations, personal well being, and patient welfare. While off duty, they balance opposing expectations and manage various responsibilities to achieve contradictory goals, such as being a professional who protects patient confidentiality while being an active and cordial community member. While on duty, they face ethical dilemmas where deciding not to treat acquaintances potentially denies access to care, but allows for clearer personal and professional boundaries and deciding to treat contravenes urban practice standards, but could allow for more customized patient care based on knowledge gained through both clinical and social interactions. Conclusion, overlapping relationships are a rural norm. Urban ethical practice standards imposed on rural contexts put RNR, rural, northern, and remote practitioners, in a paradoxical situation where clinical and social interactions must be, but cannot be, partitioned. Examining the identified strategies through the lens of paradox theory shows sophisticated cognitive framing of the conflicting and interrelated aims inherent to living and practicing in RNR communities. Consequently, Introducing a paradox mindset in educational activities could be explored as a way to prepare students for the ethically complex, overlapping relationships that they will need to navigate during RR clinical experiences. Introduction Rural communities struggle to attract and retain healthcare professionals. A desire to feel connected with their community is one of the many reasons given by physicians who do choose rural practice. Such community involvement increases interactions with neighbors and decreases anonymity, leading to a higher likelihood of being recognized as a healthcare professional in social settings and as a community member in clinical settings. Belonging to their community has meant that rural physicians cannot avoid incidental encounters with patients outside of the clinical setting, nor clinical encounters with friends as patients, and therefore must manage the intersections of personal and professional relationships. The need to navigate overlapping relationships in rural communities has been described not only by physicians, but also by nurses, social workers, psychologists, and mental health clinicians with overwhelming similarity in their experiences. Students from various health professions report that the lack of anonymity and overlapping relationships such as non-clinical interactions with patients and social interactions with staff help them feel welcomed by rural and remote communities during clinical placements or longitudinal integrated clinical clerkships, but could be such a challenge to navigate that it often interfered with their learning. Although pre-placement preparation is considered necessary for positive learning experiences for students while in small rural communities, it is difficult to determine from the literature how, or even if, students were prepared to encounter overlapping relationships. This may be because educators tasked with preparing students for rural placements and clerkships face a conundrum. Overlapping relationships are endemic to rural living and unavoidable in rural practice, yet are treated as problematic by codes of ethics and practice standards for numerous health professions. Overlapping personal and professional relationships, when viewed from an ethical standpoint, are frequently framed as a first step onto a slippery slope towards inevitable boundary violations and adverse outcomes. Accordingly, regulatory bodies strongly advise that they be avoided. This is a risk averse course of action with little impact on personal and professional lives in most urban settings, where regulators, ethicists, and the majority of practitioners live in practice. However, this leaves out relevant consideration of the rural practice context and, problematically, the avoidance of overlapping relationships has then by default become the standard of practice that is imposed on rural contexts, despite it being incongruent with rural practice. As a result... Rural practitioners are left with minimal, if any, specific guidance for maintaining professional boundaries amidst over unavoidable overlapping roles, and on their own in developing strategies and evaluating how ethically defensible and appropriate those strategies are. Communities suffer when practice standards do not account for the necessity to navigate overlapping relationships in rural contexts practitioners who feel that they cannot appropriately separate their personal and professional relationships in order to meet practice standards tend to abandon rural practice. In contrast, those who develop a sense of belonging in a rural community. Along with the ability to sustain professional boundaries tend to continue to practice in rural communities. In recognition of this link, there have been repeated calls for targeted education on managing overlapping relationships to help in addressing attrition of rural healthcare professionals. However, the experience of rural practitioners as they navigate through overlapping professional and personal roles remains largely undescribed. Not learning from the experience of rural practitioners is a further regrettable oversight as overlapping relationships also occur for urban health practitioners amidst religious, deaf, military and other small, tight knit or confined communities. It is notable that the ubiquity of overlapping relationships in rural practice seems not to have led to a deluge of adverse outcomes due to boundary violations. Rural practitioners routinely manage boundary issues arising from overlapping roles. Clear specification of how to do so is the first step needed to inform educational materials to prepare students and new pr- graduates for rural practice. Physiotherapists represent a health profession who have not yet shared their experiences on being a professional while happily rooted within a rural community. This research invites their perspective, Therefore, the research aim of the study was to build an understanding of how overlapping relationships are navigated by identifying the strategies used by physiotherapists who live and practice in rural northern or remote communities. The findings can inform curricula to support students in navigating the overlapping relationships that they will encounter during clinical training and practice. Methods. In order to paint a richer picture of rural practitioners strategies and efforts for managing boundary issues in the context of overlapping roles, the study invited rural physiotherapists to describe their experiences. In Canada, physiotherapy is a regulated health profession offering first contact primary care health services with physiotherapists working autonomously, either independently or as part of a team within the public and private health sectors of note there was a maldistribution of physiotherapists in the province of British Columbia. Over the past several years, there've been approximately 100 physiotherapists per 100,000 population in Vancouver, the largest city located in the Southern region of the province, but only 20 to 40 physiotherapists per 100,000 population in the Northern region of the province. Study design, methodology. Our research aimed to build an understanding Of how physiotherapists navigate the overlapping relationships routinely encountered while living and practicing within rural, northern, and remote communities. Specifically, we wanted to study descriptions of their experiences with overlapping rules and the strategies they use to navigate boundary issues. We use constructivist grounded theory methodology to guide data collection and analysis in order to study the social rules and expectations between a health professional and members of their community. In both clinical and non-clinical settings. As described in more detail in the following, we completed interviews and analysis and iterative cycles to allow analysis to inform subsequent data collection through revisions to the interview guide and theoretical sampling of participants. This study received approval from the University of British Columbia and the University of Northern British Columbia Research Ethics Boards. Participants and recruitment. The research team emailed invitations to physiotherapists who had or were currently living and working in rural, as in non-urban and non-suburban centers as identified by participants. Northern, as in Northern Health Authority catchment, or remote, isolated by distance or terrain from metropolitan centers. These were communities in British Columbia, Canada. We transitioned from purposive sampling to theoretical sampling as the analysis informed data collection. For example, when married participants identified that having a spouse helped them to avoid some boundary issues, we sought participants who had lived in communities without a spouse. And when participants identified implicitly learning social rules during their rural upbringing, we sought participants who had been raised in major centers before moving to rural communities to practice. Between July 2019 and March 2020 we interviewed 22 physiotherapists 13 of them were women 59% who had lived and practiced in rnr communities for half to 40 or more years an average of 12 years in private so eight physiotherapists from private practice seven physiotherapists in public practice and seven physiotherapists in mixed practice 15 physiotherapists lived and practice in communities in the north including five in remote communities two physiotherapists practice in rural interior bc one physiotherapist practiced in a remote coastal community three physiotherapists practiced in rural vancouver island and one physiotherapist practiced in remote vancouver island the majority of physiotherapists have been raised in rnr locations that's 15 out of 22 which is 68% with four of them returning to their home community to practice. Three physiotherapists had left RR practice and were currently living and practicing in urban centers. Data collection. Physiotherapists participated in interviews by phone or in person, ranging from 25 to 48 minutes in duration, averaging 30 minutes. Two researchers facilitated the interviews with one following the semi structured interview guide and asking probing questions, and the other asking impromptu questions informed by sensitizing concepts from previous interviews and relevant literature. The research manager and the principal investigator facilitated 13 interviews, with the remaining interviews facilitated by the research manager and a physiotherapy student or medical student. Debriefing after each interview informed modifications to the interview guide and preliminary analysis of the responses. The interview process was iterative, with the guide moving through five versions, and that's included in Appendix A, where it's a representative guide. We asked about the ethical issues they frequently encountered, dual role or overlapping relationships, and incidental encounters with patients were the most frequently shared examples. Follow-up questions probe for rich descriptions of specific situations, along with participants' understanding of their decision-making, strategies, goals, and intentions in the situations. After the 12th interview, we expanded our focus to include concepts interwoven with interlapping relationships, such as the profession's ethical code of conduct, lack of anonymity in the community, referring and treating friends and family, and living as a professional in a small community. The responses in interviews 2021 20, and 22 bolstered the themes identified in previous interviews, so data collection was stopped. Specific details have been removed from quotes to protect the identity of the participants and their patients. Data Analysis Constructivist grounded theory methodology acknowledges that meaning is constructed through interactions between the researchers, participants, and the data, and invites interpretation of the data through differing perspectives. This project included a team of researchers, along with physiotherapy and medical students participating in the research process. All had experienced rural healthcare education as a teacher or a learner. The research team included those with rural clinical practice experience, rural upbringing, rural health profession education delivery, and rural health ethics expertise. Researchers and the physiotherapy students completed line by line coding on a subset of transcripts and met to identify preliminary themes. The main interviewers identified the specific encounters where physiotherapists described being confronted with overlapping relationships and potential boundary issues. How the encounter was navigated and other key fragments within the data so that they could be compared and contrasted to each other. After cycles of analysis data collection and team meetings with discussions inviting complementary, reflexive stances focus codes were identified and applied as transcripts were received. Through reading, rereading, and discussing the transcripts and focus codes, we identified theoretical codes that represented the patterns in the data. The theoretical understandings of how participants grappled with tensions while navigating overlapping relationships were scrutinized through discussions with the research team and refined by the principal uh, investigator. These are detailed in the results section. Paradox theory was then used to further examine the navigation of overlapping relationships. This theoretical lens allowed explication of the identified strategies and is presented in the discussion section. An audit trail tracked decisions, memos recorded our evolving understanding of the themes, and vivo 12 facilitated coding of the transcripts. Results. Physiotherapists perceive that the rural, northern, or remote context was misunderstood by urban-based health professionals, while simultaneously stating that r and practice cannot be understood.
1: Until you live it and do it.
0: Therefore, we begin by illustrating the confluence of professional and personal roles through participants' own words. We then highlight the strategies used for navigating overlapping relationships through managing the tensions created by opposing expectations and contradictory goals. In their own words, overlapping relationships, the rural, northern and remote, remote norm. Physiotherapists acknowledge overlapping relationships as
1: an ethical boundary that you have to navigate as a rural northern practitioner.
0: And even as
1: the largest challenge, if we're talking morals and ethics, is that you know everybody. So not only do you know them as a patient, but you know them as a community member and a friend or a foe, whatever it may be.
0: When asked how they could avoid seeing and interacting with patients in non-clinical settings, the common response was,
1: I could not live in a community. If that was a mandate, then I wouldn't be able to do this job.
0: And therefore,
1: I'd have to leave town. It would be impossible because no matter where I go, I'm gonna run into ex patients. They're gonna be the cashier at the grocery store. They're gonna be the teller at the bank. You're gonna see them at the movie theater. You're gonna run into them on the ski hill. Like they're everywhere.
0: Not being able to leave their professional identity at work because
1: everyone around town will know who you are and know what you do for a living.
0: Led to this urban-raised physiotherapist discovering that it was
1: important to be yourself and be comfortable with being yourself at work, because you're going to see them in the streets when the clock hits four o'clock.
0: However, most physiotherapists said that they were
1: not striving for anonymity.
0: And that incidental encounters with patients were
1: Not the challenging, not that challenging to navigate that for the most part.
0: This rural born long time rural practicing physiotherapist in the North articulates the catch 22 of living and practicing in a small community.
1: I love where I live and I love what this place affords me. At the same time that you can say, oh, I hate it when people come up to me in the grocery store. I just want to get milk and it takes me an hour to get out of there. At the same time, there's a strong sense of community. And so it's a question of whether you can have one without the other.
0: Off-duty, maintaining boundaries and others' dignity. Some physiotherapists did describe times when they
1: wanted to be anonymous. I don't want to be noticed or I don't want to be anything. And it's just hard in the small town.
0: The lack of anonymity made it
1: hard to put the practitioner part aside. So that you're really never truly off.
0: Minimizing incidental encounters involves significant lifestyle changes.
1: Somebody's going to stop and talk to me. And that can turn into quite a lengthy conversation at times. So I've actually, for that reason, given the role uh, of grocery shopping over to my husband, who is a non-medical person.
0: In describing the strategies they employed to navigate incidental encounters with patients in public, physiotherapists pointed out how using
1: common sense
0: social conventions did not comfortably align with teachings from their ethics courses and practice standards. For example, they allowed the patient to initiate interactions.
1: I never approach clients first and say hi first. If they say hi, then I'll talk to them out in public.
0: While matching the patient's greeting.
1: Some people just nod, so I just do the same. I just reciprocate whatever they do.
0: This strategy was used to avoid inadvertently revealing their clinical relationship to others while striving to be polite, both socially and professionally. However, simply giving a friendly greeting was perceived as a small act of defiance against professional standards.
1: My thing is a hello. It's not a, oh, put my eyes down and walk away. Oh, I see this person in my office. I can't interact with them. It's a hello.
0: Answering simple questions was not considered problematic.
1: Sometimes it's just factual information people want, like, what are your working hours? When can I get an appointment with you? How long are your wait lists?
0: And engaging in small talk on non-clinical topics was considered safe.
1: We're in a hockey rink. If we're discussing hockey, that's the right context, but not a place to talk about your health care.
0: If the patient started to talk about clinical topics, then?
1: It just comes naturally. You say, we'll address that the next time you're in. Something like that. Then, what did you think of the storm last night, to switch the subject?
0: These strategies failed in situations where?
1: People stop me in the store and basically pick up from where we left off at discharge, and we're in this totally public place, and my husband is standing with a cart like, la, la, la. Opting to actively engage in the conversation risked it turning into a public consult.
0: But passively engaging was not a good option either because it risked looking complicit.
1: Somebody else looking in on that conversation thinks, oh, you really shouldn't be engaging with that person in that grocery aisle.
0: A successfully used option was to point out the inappropriateness of the conversation in a public place and to direct the patient to continue the conversation in a clinical setting.
1: As quickly as I can, if somebody is complaining, oh, I did this and WorkSafe did that and blah, 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 then I just usually say, you know, I'm sorry to hear that you're still frustrated about that, but this really isn't the place for us to be discussing that. I I really hope you are getting the help you need. If there's anything you need from us again, you're welcome to call the clinic, but this really isn't the place to talk about issues around your claim. However,
0: actively shutting down the interaction was not a fail-safe option if the wrong words were used.
1: I mean, if you shoo them away, there's a risk that either they'll not be comfortable coming back to me or another medical practitioner or physiotherapist more specifically, which, I mean, in my opinion, can kind of interrupt their care.
0: The goal of protecting patient confidentiality could be at odds with helping to
1: maintain that person's dignity.
0: Leaving the physiotherapist in limbo while wanting to
1: protect their confidentiality on my part. But some people are really open and they start talking about it. So you listen and kind of try to end that. I like to end those conversations fairly quickly, but with, I don't know, compassion or kindness. Give the person as much time as they need, but it's not the time or place.
0: These nuanced approaches used for navigating incidental encounters with patients contrasted with the straightforward approaches used to uphold ethical principles in other situations. For example, physiotherapists set firm boundaries to protect confidentiality and social interactions where a patient's spouse could be
1: pretty persistent asking about their wife's frozen shoulder or whatnot. And sometimes I just have to say, I get that you care so much, but I really do need to have their okay for me to talk about this with you.
0: A similar approach was used in clinical settings when
1: Patients may say, oh, you're seeing my neighbor, Joe, how's he doing? And in a case like that, I have to say, I actually come right out and say, I can't discuss any patient with somebody else.
0: On duty, striving for objectivity and accessible care. Despite confirming that they wanted to uphold the profession's code of ethics, physiotherapists treated people they knew especially if they were the only available practitioner, a longtime resident of the community, or had developed expertise within a niche area. It was inevitable that the only physiotherapist in a remote community would treat people with whom they interacted in social roles.
1: The other side of it is the reason we like rural life so much is because we get to be part of the community. So I do lots of volunteering in the community, including search and rescue and on the fire department and those kinds of things. So I know people socially outside of work, and then they come in and I treat them as patients, which in all respects, when you do your professional training is a faux pas and you're not supposed to do it all, right?
0: However, choosing not to treat someone in the smaller communities where the physiotherapist was
1: the only game in town,
0: blocked their access to care.
1: Where else would they go? That would be a complete disservice and completely unethical in my mind.
0: In larger r and areas with multiple physiotherapists, referring was not always the best option for the patient due to...
1: A waiting list of four to six weeks.
0: To see another practitioner or due to the...
1: Very small pool of people to refer to. And I have a certain area and level of clinical expertise that both patients and friends have come to rely on.
0: Living within a small isolated population meant that social and professional lives needed to
1: overlap. This morning, my running group, you're treating three of the people in your running group. Maybe not concurrently, but at some point, they've all been a patient. And? If you're not going to be friends with the people in that group, then you're really limiting how many. Your circle of friends, like there just wouldn't be enough options.
0: These situations were seen as ubiquitous and unavoidable.
1: When you get into like certain sports or activities, like if you competitive sport, there's only like a dozen people that do that in the North. So then if you're in part of that Competing group, and you're a physio, usually, then you become associated with having some knowledge and some skill, and then usually those people then see you.
0: Regardless, the overlap in neighbor, neighbors being both patients and friends was not taken lightly. Before scheduling appointment, physiotherapists may discuss the overlap with the patient. For example, when a close friend was unknowingly referred,
1: I called him and asked him before he came to the clinic, I just said, Hey, do you know that the provider is me? And he said, uh, No. And then I just asked if he's okay with that, and then if he was. So we just went ahead and treated.
0: Another example from a physiotherapist practicing in her hometown illustrates the complexity of these situations in r and communities.
1: I'm seeing my old authority figure from childhood for pelvic floor physiotherapy. I never dreamed that there would be this role reversal. At first, I was worried that it would be awkward knowing that we'd be doing a pelvic floor assessment. So I just said to them, I can understand that you might not want a previous subordinate to be the physiotherapist that is helping you with your pelvic floor. At this point, I can refer you to someone in town over 125 kilometers away because that was the closest town. And they cut me short and said, no, honestly, it might sound a little funny, but I'm so thankful that it's you that's helping me right now. And that's been my typical response is that people know me, but they're still comfortable with having me be the physiotherapist that's treating them.
0: Living alongside people before they became patients, and while they are patients, gave physiotherapists access to information that may not be revealed otherwise.
1: I will see them in a variety of settings in the community. You know, you can't help it. You're observing how they move and how they do get in and out of a chair and things like that.
0: And it means...
1: You can see how they're moving and interacting, maybe even before they notice you're there.
0: They contemplated how to use such information.
1: Sometimes you have to put on your blinders of what you know about people, and then other times you incorporate what you know of other people into your practice in order to benefit their overall function.
0: As there were examples where this information was helpful, but also where it was problematic.
1: I had a patient in clinic who was post rotator cuff surgery. He was not able to, in the clinic, left his arm above shoulder height, and then I saw him in the sports store, shopping, reaching the top rack of the clothing rack. I was more confident asking him to do some of the things we're having him do in the clinic to see if I could prompt him to do that same level of function, but certainly would have never gone that. would never have gone and confronted him on that.
0: During treatment of neighbors, friends and family, physiotherapists describe monitoring for bias, such as ensuring all patients receive
1: the fair and appropriate amount of care for the person, regardless of whether or not you had a relationship to them prior to that therapeutic event.
0: It also included asking for a second opinion from a less connected practitioner when
1: My clinical judgment may be clouded because of what I want from, for them, rather than what is best for them.
0: They discussed
1: Strict boundaries
0: With patients so that
1: Everything we do at the clinic is confidential, and we're never going to talk about that outside of the clinic. And then When I see them socially, that's social.
0: This allocation of activities to different locations helped to separate the intertwined roles.
1: Honestly, coworkers are probably the most challenging are the hardest to treat because you see them on such a regular basis that that can be a little bit awkward. So, I mean, for myself, when I'm talking with a coworker, I try and set the standard that when they come to physiotherapy and they're in the physiotherapy room and they're the patient and we're discussing their ailment. But when we're in the hallways and we're in another part of the hospital, I really try to avoid those conversations because it gets hard with confidentiality in the hospital because there's always somebody around.
0: Although treating neighbors created situations that required strategic communication, physiotherapists also pointed out advantages for the patients.
1: Being in a smaller community is really lovely because you really do tend to get more personalized care. You tend to be able to tailor right to their needs and their wants.
0: Having practitioners who were raised in the community and now practice in the community created multiple overlapping roles, but it was also described as an advantage for the patients.
1: When they come in and are clinicians, know what that mill looks like or know what those hikes look like or know what that area of town that they're talking about looks like or the job that they do because they're from here. It's easy to relate to patients who are from the community when you're from the community and you get that kind of small town hometown feel.
0: The overlap between professional and social lives in rural communities was described as unavoidable potentially problematic easily navigated and a source of hardship. However, full participation as a community member was described as beneficial for physiotherapists and patients. Dealing with the inevitable complexities associated with mapping boundaries, protecting personal time, and upholding obligations in all roles was described as worth the effort.
1: Even though you're moving into more grey territory, like the clear, distinct answer from an ethical standpoint, for a lot of these situations would probably be to just not initiate or have conversations outside of the clinic. But... I think it builds a stronger rapport to, well, first of all, to be seen in the community, being active or doing things that the patient also likes to do, and then also having a relationship at work, as well as outside with them, because they understand. I think they get more out of the session when they see me, because they know I understand their sport, and that builds a lot more trust with them. But I think just being cautious with that at the same time, because I could betray that trust if they wanted things to be confidential, and I don't let that happen.
0: Discussion. Physiotherapists in this study and practitioners from various health professions in previous studies choose to live in rural, northern, or remote communities for the sense of belonging and seeing the outcomes of their professional services in the personal lives of their patients. At the same time, establishing connections within the community sets the stage for less anonymity, fewer opportunities to be fully off duty, and little chance of having only strangers for patients. Even so, Rural physiotherapists routinely navigate the resulting overlap between professional and personal relationships while mindful of practice standards, neighborly and community expectations, personal well being, and patient welfare. The findings add support to the conclusion that overlapping relationships are the rule norm and must be navigated by health professionals working in rural communities. The RNR physiotherapists in the study echoed the sentiments of other rural practitioners in deeming overlapping relationships as potentially problematic, but not inherently unethical. Their management of overlapping roles showed an understanding of what was at stake and a desire to choose an ethically appropriate course of action. Their actions were more suggestive of regulatory vigilance than moral disengagement or lack of ethical knowledge. They aim to uphold the ethical principles of having clear boundaries, while needing to set aside the expectation from practice standards that boundaries are maintained by keeping professional and on duty absolutely separate from personal and off duty, because separation is incongruent with the RNR context. If educators and regulators encourage open discussion and evaluation of these alternate strategies, the ensuing critiques could facilitate the development of evidence-informed strategies. A close inspection of the strategies employed to navigate overlapping relationships details the competing demands and contradictions within the ethically complex situations that they routinely encountered. It is their use of phrasing such as, on the other hand, At the same time, it's a question of whether you can have one without the other, that is especially revealing about their experience. Some of the tensions between their obligations as a health professional and their commitments as a community member were described as an either or sacrifice, where more of one, such as belonging and becoming known, decreased another, namely, being able to be anonymous and off duty. Other tensions were more complex because each of the overlapping relationships aimed at different contradictory goals. While off duty, they needed to balance being a good neighbor who engages in small talk, while being a good professional who protects patient confidentiality by shutting down the conversation to prevent a social interaction from turning into a clinical encounter, while also being a good person who maintains the dignity of a fellow neighbor by not drawing attention to boundary transgressions that could cause embarrassment. While on duty, there were ethical dilemmas where deciding not to treat acquaintances potentially denied them access to care, but allow for clearer personal professional boundaries. And deciding to treat them contravene traditional practice standards. But could allow for customized patient care based on knowledge gained through both clinical and social interactions. Hence, in addition to balancing tensions. They're dealing with paradox viewing their experiences of overlapping relations through the lens of paradox theory offers a new understanding of their actions. In the following, we draw on paradox theory to further elaborate our understanding of the navigation of overlapping relationships. Paradox theory outlines three paradoxes, organizing, belonging and performing relevant for examining physiotherapists experiences with overlapping relationships. The organizing paradox is about how structures create contradictions. r and communities are structured as geographically isolated small populations with webs of interconnect connections that make overlapping personal and professional relationships inevitable. However, The structure imposed by their code of ethics is based on the urban ideal that healthcare occurs between strangers in clinical contexts, and social interactions will be devoid of encounters with patients. This puts rural practitioners in a paradox where clinical and social interactions both must be and cannot be partitioned. Physiotherapists then find themselves in a paradox of belonging where the values of the profession that they belong to conflict with the more immediate values of the r and community to which they also belong. Their professional regulatory body encourages rigid boundaries and avoidance of overlapping relationships in an effort to prevent patients from being exploited or harmed. And yet, failing to adjust certain boundaries risks harms to some patients, as it can be perceived as rude or insincere, and in some instances, denies care as some people want practitioners who know them as a person and not just as a patient. The conflicting demands between the roles of being a professional and a community member then lead to contradictory actions and place physiotherapists in a performing paradox. Building on an earlier example, as a community member, the physiotherapist may wanna be supportive of their neighbor by listening and validating their experience while as a professional, they may want to end the conversation to prevent breaches of confidentiality and the situation from turning into a consultation. A regulatory body's appraisal of that incident, if grounded in urban based practice standards, would likely not be reconcilable with some community members and other practitioners um, and some study participants appraisals. And yet, the practitioner must take action, be responsible for that action, and bear the consequences of the contradictory judgments. Consequently, being confronted with paradox can be emotionally and cognitively threatening. The lack of clarity in understanding the pressures and challenges and benefits for different practice contexts, combined with the lack of recognition for how each can be ethically navigated, puts rural practitioners between a rock and a hard place. Our concern is that if practitioners feel like acting as a good community member calls into question their identity as a professional, they may decide that they cannot be members in good standing of both and resolve these paradoxes by leaving the RR community, or in the case of students, decide not to enter R practice. Conceptualizing overlapping relationships as paradox that must be managed runs counter to regulatory bodies' risk management perspective of overlapping relationships as a slippery slope. If we embrace their analogy, then all practitioners are told that the best policy for preventing slips is to avoid going near slopes, but yet, it is known that some practitioners live in practice in mountainous terrain. The varying levels of paradox illustrate how a seemingly simple situation, such as running into a patient at the grocery store, is not necessarily best accommodated by ignoring the patient and leaving the store to avoid the incidental encounter. By examining the strategies rural physiotherapists use through the lens of paradox theory, we can see evidence of cognitive ambidexterity, with sophisticated cognitive framing of the tensions that acknowledges the paradox, juxtaposes contradictory concerns, accommodates the conflicting and interrelated aims, and accepts the tensions as an inherent part of living and practicing in r communities. For example, During incidental encounters with patients in social settings, physiotherapists use a defensive response of splitting when they separated their professional role into the clinical setting at a future time and an active response of confrontation when they pointed out the inappropriateness of the clinical content of the conversation and deferred the conversation to clinic. Our findings support that overlapping relationships could be a slippery slope towards boundary issues if practitioners are not attentive to or prepared for recognizing and addressing these types of situations when they arise. However, the physiotherapists we interviewed are aware that slopes may become slippery and and are on alert for possible dangers, while finding ways to navigate safe ground. Analogies aside. Health professions will not be fully inclusive of rural practitioners until rural norms, such as overlapping relationships, are acknowledged and addressed through practice standards and education. RR practitioners will remain without official guidance and with a sense that their practice is always compromised, so long as avoiding overlapping relationships is upheld as the best way to deal with them. Continued ambiguity is unnecessary and harmful as it can deter practitioners from rural locations and interferes with educational efforts to prepare students for the reality of rural northern and remote practice. Preparation is necessary for positive learning experiences in rural and remote settings and it is these positive clinical and educational experiences that are strongly associated with entering a rural job. A paradox mindset values and accepts and f- feels comfortable with contradictions while looking for solutions that address the recognized tensions. As its use has been shown to contribute positively to job performance and innovation, introducing a paradox mindset in educational activities could be explored as a way to prepare trainees for the ethically complex, overlapping relationships that they will need to navigate on RNR placements, clerkships, and practice. Our findings add to the line of research investigating how physiotherapists navigate everyday ethical decision-making. Our study with rural physiotherapists is limited in that it analyzes self-reported recall of past events and cannot verify the use of strategies, provide an exhaustive list of strategies, nor determine their efficacy in those contexts. Further analysis grounded in rural health ethics is needed to critique the strategies used by rural practitioners. Additional research is also needed to inform best practices and practice standards. r communities deserve quality health care provided by practitioners living and working within them. Their close structure makes practitioners known and creates contradictions between their role as professionals and community members that leads to the need to become skilled at identifying and addressing boundary issues as they arise in the course of one's practice. Examining the lived experience of RNR physiotherapists through the lens of paradox theory highlighted the sophistication of their responses in navigating overlapping profession, personal and professional relationships. This offers practitioners and small communities insight into truly really congruent strategies and urges health profession education programs to equip future practitioners with the skills to navigate contradictory ethical principles when they are confronted with overlapping relationships. Thank you for listening.